Thanks everyone for being here this morning. We're missing a few, um, and hopefully they will be returned to us soon. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to lead your minds in things spiritual. Thank you for the song leading and the thoughts at the Lord's Supper, the prayers, the reading. We're so thankful that uh, we can be together to worship God this morning. I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, have been to the ocean before. If not the ocean, maybe you've been to some other large body of water and seen uh, the amazing creation of God in the water and the ocean. The crashing waves that come in are, are, and the swirling currents of the ocean are just mesmerizing. You can just stand there and watch as these waves come in. It's just amazing. We're drawn to the sea, aren't we? You go out on I-65 in the weekend and you can see the cars from out of state that are headed south, no doubt headed to the ocean. We're drawn there to the ocean. And God tells us about the ocean in the Bible and it is amazing the things that he tells us about the ocean and the sea. And this morning I want to talk to you about the sea. The sea tells us a lot about God's power. We'll talk about that at the first part of the lesson. But God uses this feature of creation to teach us some powerful lessons. So stick with me to the end because this is not just a discussion about the Atlantic Ocean. This has great spiritual implications for us as well. The idea of the sea. The sea was created by God on the third day of creation, you'll remember. On the third day of creation, we read in Genesis chapter 1, beginning of verse 9, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Now that's a very simplified explanation of what happened, because there is so much that goes on in the seas. The oceans are immense. They cover 71% of the Earth's surface. 71% of the Earth's surface is in the oceans. And this is an interesting fact. If you took all of the salt out of the ocean and you spread it out evenly across the surface of the Earth, it would cover the Earth's land surface more than 500 feet thick. The height of a 40-story building would be the depth of the salt on the dry land if you were to take it all out of the oceans and put it on earth. It's amazing. Less than 10% of the world's oceans have been mapped. There's a lot about the ocean that we don't understand because we just simply haven't explored it and mapped it and figured it out yet. The number of species, for instance, that live in the ocean is unknown. There are creatures in the ocean that we don't know anything about. People haven't discovered them yet. It is amazing. God created this sea, this ocean, on the third day of creation. We should not take for granted the power that this displays from God. And in, in Psalm 95, beginning of verse 1, Joseph just read for us, The sea is his, for he made it. God made all of this. God created the seas. In Acts 14, verse 15, God's power in, in creation of this, uh, Paul says, should cause us to worship 
God. In Acts 14, verse 15, Men, why are you doing these things? We are men also with the same measure nature as you, and preach you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. God ought to be worshipped because of the power that he displays in creating the sea, the oceans. We also know by our time near the ocean and from things that we've read that the sea can be very unsettled at times. You've been on the shore when the waves were crashing in. I dare say, though, that none of us have seen the ocean and the sea as unsettled as it can be. We've heard of the stories that sailors have to deal with and the big, huge waves that sailors have to deal with. I lived in Cleveland, Ohio, on the shores of Lake Erie for a short period of time. And one Saturday morning, I went down to the, to the shore of Lake Erie, and the waves were huge and crashing. And there were three men in a boat that decided they wanted to go out on those waves, and the waves were so big. That boat would go up on those waves, and when it came down, it had a top over the cockpit of that boat. And that, that, that top of that boat almost disappeared as it went down under those waves, huge waves. And those aren't the biggest waves that sailors have to deal with. Those were probably very small by comparison. But the, the sea can become very unsettled, and we've seen videos of that, and we've experienced some of that ourselves. Paul encountered the fact that seas are unsettled in Acts chapter 27 on his way to Rome. In Acts 27, verse 39, when it was day... They did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto it which they planned to run the ship if possible. And, let that, and they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile loosening, loosening the rudder ropes. And they hoisted the main sail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, the ship ran, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? To be at the mercy of that sea as it's crashing around you and it's breaking the ship apart. It's that powerful and unsettled and tumultuous. Paul experienced that. Sailors throughout time have experienced that. That the sea can become very dis, dis, uh, unsettled and uh, very, very frightening. But I want to tell you, in spite of all of that, the scriptures tell us that the seas are under God's authority. God has authority over the sea. You know, the sea is immense and powerful. And when you're standing by the seashore, has, you ever, has it ever made you feel small as you observe the, the vastness of the ocean and the power of the ocean? Have you ever stood in the tide and felt the current as the tide goes out as it tries to sweep you out with it? Rip tides are deadly. Rip tides can drag a swimmer out from the shore. And yet those are just very small currents in the ocean. There are huge currents in the ocean that carry water from the equator up to the poles. And carry with it the warmth of the equator up to the poles so that regions near the ocean where those currents exist, they're warmer than they would be otherwise. Huge currents in the water, moving the water around. The thermal energy in the ocean spawns great hurricanes. And as they go across the oceans, they gather more and more strength 
as they feed off the energy of the oceans. The oceans are powerful. And yet in spite of this, God is in control of the oceans. In Psalm 89, verse 9, Psalm 89, verse 9, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. God rules over the sea. The seas are under God's authority. In Psalm 135, verse 5 beginning. Psalm 135, verse 5, For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places, He causes vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of His treasuries. The Lord, whatever He pleases, He does. In the seas and in the deep places, God is in control. Of these seas. They are tumultuous at times, but He is in control. You know, there are some in the religious world, even, who believe that God just sort of wound the spring on the clock and then He let it go, and God is not involved at all in anything that goes on in the world today. But God is in control. The scriptures are clear about that. God is in control of what goes on in the seas. In Job 38, in Job 38, verse 8, beginning, Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. God controls the sea. When he created it, he set limits for it. God is in control of what goes on in the sea. The sea may be tumultuous at times. It may be unsettled, but God is in control. In Jeremiah, 50, in Jeremiah 5, verse 22, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 22, Do you not fear me, says the Lord? Will you not tremble at my presence, who have placed the sand as the bound for the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass beyond it? And though its waves toss to and fro, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. God's in control. He says this is where the oceans are, and these waves may bow crash against the shore, but there's your limit. God's in control of the seas. And though they are powerful, though they can be unsettled, God is in control. They're under His authority. And furthermore, the Scriptures tell us that God's children are protected from the sea's harm. Since the seas are under God's authority, and since God has promised to protect His children... The scriptures talk about God protecting his children from the seas. In Psalm 107, in Psalm 107, verse 23, beginning, notice this passage. Psalm 107, verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Sounds a lot about like what we've been talking about, doesn't it? It says their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits ends. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Seas are tumultuous, but God 
protects his children. Now, this isn't to say that no child of God is ever drowned in the sea. But it does say that God protects his children from the physical sea. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, perhaps one of the most familiar of these accounts is Jesus when he's in the boat with his disciples. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 24, And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, I know who it is. God is in control of the seas. And now that we look at it with this perspective of all the things we've been talking about, about the seas, that God created them, that they can be unsettled, but they're still under his control, that he protects his children, then it gives us a little bit of perspective as why Jesus might tell his disciples, O ye of little faith. If they had faith in who they were in the boat with, they would have no fear of what would come from the waves that are around them. And finally, we see that the sea praises God. As a result of all of this, of all of God's power and might and wisdom in the creation and control of the seas, the seas give God praise. Psalm 69, verse 34, Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. And rightly so. These things should praise God because of the magnificence and the majesty of God that is on display here. The seas are an amazing thing. The scriptures help us understand more about the amazing thing that God has created. I want to tell you there's more, though. These facts that we've looked at about the seas can teach us great spiritual lessons. And I think that's the what, part of the beauty of the scriptures and proof of its inspiration. That God can take things that we're so familiar with in the physical realm and draw great spiritual parallels for us. That if we will look at them through the, uh, the lens that the scriptures gives us, can help us greatly in our faith. In Daniel chapter 7, in Daniel chapter 7, God gives a vision. And it involves a sea, but it is not the literal sea that we're thinking about. Notice what he says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 2. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. As we remember from our study in the book of Daniel, these four beasts are four nations and kingdoms, aren't they? And they come out of the sea. The sea represents humanity in Daniel's vision. We see that idea presented in other places as well in Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, John stood on the sand of the sea and he says, I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. We remember from our study of the book of Revelation. But this sea represents, again, humanity. And this beast coming out of it being a, a, a kingdom or a government coming out of the sea. And if you have any doubt that that's what this imagery is, 
It's expressly said and stated in Revelation chapter 17, verse 15. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sets are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. This idea of waters or seas representing humanity. God uses that imagery. And if we take that imagery with the points that we've learned about the physical sea and ocean, I think there's a great spiritual lesson for us here. First of all, the seas, the physical seas were created by God. But humanity obviously was created by God. That's obvious, isn't it? In Acts chapter 17, in Acts chapter 17, humanity was created by God in Acts 17 verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each of one of us. God has made Humanity, Just as he created the physical oceans, he's created the sea of humanity that we live in today. And just as the physical oceans can be unsettled, so can humanity be as well. Humanity is, when it is separated from God, very unsettled. We see that in the world around us, don't we? We see the unsettled nature of humanity as it is separated from God. Listen to the news. Read the headlines. It seems like things are spinning out of control, doesn't it? Things are unsettled. Why? Humanity is separated from God. But this is nothing new. It is not isolated to 21st century America that things are unsettled and spinning out of control, it seems. It's not isolated to just America's existence. This has occurred throughout time. Go back in the Bible to Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 20 beginning. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Humanity is like the troubled sea. It shouldn't shock us that things around the world are unsettled and tumultuous. That's what life is like when you're separated from God. God knows this, and it's nothing new. It's been going on. When people are separated from God, when they're not living like they should, it is unsettling and tumultuous. And those who are living this way, the individuals are like the sea, it says in James 1, verse 6. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. If we don't have faith in our life, we're just like the rest of humanity, driven and tossed by the wind. We're in that unsettled state. In Jude, verse 12, in Jude, verse 12, beginning, those who are not living like they should are like these waves. These are spots in your love feast, it says, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up to their own shame, wandering stars from whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Life without God is tumultuous and unsettled. Humanity is unsettled. I want to tell you, though, just as the seas are under God's authority, so also is humanity. And notice in Isaiah 17, verse 12, 
Isaiah 17, verse 12, Woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters, but God will rebuke them and they will flee far away and be chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. God is in control. The nation's humanity may be in a tumult and be unsettled, but God is still in control. The things that are going on in the world around us may be alarming. They may cause us and tempt, they may tempt us to fear. But we need to remember that the God who created the oceans and created humanity rules over it as well. This is particularly true as it comes to physical government. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, sorry, Psalm 90, 65, verse 7. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumults of the people, God is in control. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. This decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. Government, and the future of government, and the state of government is a concern for many, but God is in control. God's in control of the oceans, the seas. He's in control of humanity. And just as God's children were protected from physical harm, from the physical seas, I want to tell you that God's children are protected from the harm of humanity as well. It's logical that God would protect his people from humanity if he's protecting his people from the physical oceans. You know, God pulls us out of the sea. In Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, as Jesus is calling some of his disciples who will ultimately be his apostles. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Have you ever thought about it this way? Where do you pull fish from? You pull them from the sea, don't you? And we've been pulled from the sea of humanity that is unsettled and tumultuous apart from God. We've been brought from that. We've been delivered from that. We are saved. We are protected from humanity's unsettled nature. And we get a glimpse of heaven in Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, there's a sea there. There's a sea shown to us in heaven, but it's an entirely different sea. It's a crystal sea. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. Before the throne of God there's a sea, but that sea is like crystal or like glass. Have you ever been on the water when there were no waves? Didn't it look like glass? You go from that tumultuous constant roar and crash of the waves to silence and calmness. And that's the image of what we're seeing here in heaven. 
We go from the constant tumult and waves and unsettledness of humanity where it's just turmoil and chaos and we get to heaven in front of God and it is like glass. There's nothing to unsettle. It's perfect peace. God takes care of his children. He protects them from harm, from the sea of humanity. And finally, because of all of this, humanity should praise God. Psalm 96, verse 7. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Because of God's majesty. In both creating the physical ocean and having his control over it, and having his control over humanity, we should give him the praise. The imagery of the Bible is incredible, isn't it? The imagery of the ocean and the lesson that God teaches us through its incredibleness should encourage us all. The question for us this morning is, are we living in such a way that we're ready to meet the creator of the oceans? the one who rules over humanity? Are we living in a way that's pleasing to him? And if we're not this morning, there's no better time than right now to make correction. And if we can help you, let us know while we stand and sing.